Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast, a special Memorial Day edition as we uh, enjoyed uh, some nice afternoon baseball again here. Uh, Brewers in uh, 10 innings for those fans that are happy with that. The Cubs keep soaring, the Rays keep winning, and uh, there's plenty of teams that are not, and we'll talk about that this week as well. Some interesting headlines from uh, some cool milestones. There was uh, from number of games played in uh, MLB to uh, RBI milestones. Uh, uh, Albert Pujols in his uh, final, his swan song he's getting. It's been awesome to see that. Uh, Other headlines that we'd rather not see. We'll talk about uh, also MLB May All-Stars from an article there. Mike Schilt in the, the... Hot button issues. The weekly, we'll, uh, the weekly keep up on how is baseball enforcing their no foreign substance rule? Yeah, so there's a lot of different things <laughs> we'll cover here uh, uh, today, as well as uh, Corey's team keeps surging despite the injuries. We'll talk about the fantasy team as well at the end of the podcast. But first, as always, we dive into the uh, the injuries. There is a massive amount. Uh, so grab a drink, grab some popcorn, preferably. Ooh. That's a good segue, dude. Like, you like that? That was an impressive. I'm impressed. Grab some, uh, grab some popcorn, especially uh, from River Creek Popcorn for all your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice and for injury dialogues. Come hungry, leave happy. It was an amazing weekend uh, at the popcorn wagon. In fact, uh, you got a, a forced day off, if you will. So this is, we're recording a day late. It's Memorial Day. I did not plan to make it to your shindig here, and thank you for inviting me and my dad, and that was great. But... Yeah, I did not plan to come. I plan to be here about now after a long day of making popcorn, but can't make what I don't have. So we had to shut down. We ran out of product. And I said, I put a post on Facebook for the company and said, we're blessed to have that many, that many great customers. But when you come in that type of drove, sorry, you lose a day because I don't plan for that type of stuff. And some people, most people are great about it. Just got to realize if I, some people said, oh, you should order more. And I'm like, yeah, but if you if I get a rain day, then it turns stale. Like, would you rather have it fresh and possibly run out or have too much and get stale? And then people understood. Quality of product is always matters. And, uh, and the popcorn quality that we have is the best. Yeah, and that's uh, – I always I always feel like I'm ready to watch a movie afterwards. Because when I picked up the stuff for the party today, uh, when I picked that up, I'm like, okay, all I need is a big screen TV and some sort of uh, a cinema going, which, by the way, those are now back open and, and uh, movies are starting back with then. It's nice to see that progressing. Fast and the Furious, June 26th. I'm ready. That will kind of kick every, everything there we go. off there. and uh, That's a summer movie for us. Let's see how many – I think – I don't know. I was watching the Brewers today for a while. This is a little off topic. And it looked, I know, so officially they're not back to full capacity till I think the 25th, but Almost. it was pretty tight in there yeah, today. I was like, we, we look like we're back here. So it's, uh, it's coming here within a matter of weeks. It's nice yeah. to see that on, on the radar as well. Uh, my note from a Memorial Day weekend is the labor of love of, uh, of smoking meat. If you're a fan <laughs> of doing any of that type of grill out stuff, uh, I enjoyed that this weekend. I had uh you have one day of like brining and uh, then marinating and then getting up at 4 a.m. to throw it in the smoker and uh, uh, everything said, there and fall off the bone. It was awesome. Jamaican jerk uh, uh, pork and uh, smoked and then uh, uh, same seasoning for chicken on the rotisserie. And uh, You did great. I'm glad that you did it because I wouldn't have done it. 
I'm I'm not that dedicated, but you did a good job, and thank you for inviting me again. It was a uh, a uh, home run of a uh, uh, of a uh, morning and early afternoon, and uh, I, on the other hand, did not sustain any injuries, unlike those that you're about ready to mention. See, I'm 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 ready for and you're the, on a roll here, segues. Man. Let's start with the. Actually, I have no pattern this week because there's just so many of them I can't even fit them on a page. So, Fran Mill Reyes, we'll start with him. Internal oblique strain. It, he fouled a ball off, and like you think fouled off something, you're going to like bruise something. We saw Christian Yellow shoot his knee. Well, he just fouled it straight back, but in doing so, he grabbed his side. Five to seven weeks. That's not good for a team that already has a horrid lineup in these Because they have so Indians. much offensive depth on that yeah, team. Right? Let's go to a guy who's been pretty bad this year, and that is Kenta Maeda. We've mentioned him a couple times on the Heat is On. Maybe this explains some of it. A groin injury, he hit the 10-day IL. Another player who's been cold is Kevin Biggio of the Blue Jays. He also hit the 10-day IL. His was a back injury. So they actually gave it this really weird, like, cervical spine sprained ligament. And I thought, wow, that sounds terrible. But a bench, basically, they came out and said he has, like, neck pain, like a pinched nerve in his neck. So it sounded worse than it was, I think. It allows him to go home with more of a battle wound. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, I'm actually just going to blow through this one. Victor Robles had an ankle injury. That was, he'd missed a few games, and then they put him on the IL, and it sounded like, I believe he got reactivated today. So we can go quick through that one. Here's a big one. Bryce Harper, he got hit on the arm, and then he went like 0 for 20, and then they sat him for a few days. And then they finally put him on the aisle. So he is on the aisle, and, and I believe I saw today that Aaron Boone, or no, Joe Girardi is the, is the manager. I almost had the wrong manager there. Both former Yankees. I know, that's right. Joe Girardi said that he will not come off when he's first eligible on Wednesday, so we do not know what's going on with Bryce Harper, but the Phillies need him bad. I'll, I'll wait to mention uh, to talk about it, but since it was a Freudian slip when I said both are former Yankees managers, how hot is that seat getting for Joe Girardi? We'll talk about it later. Okay. I'll just do the weird injury of the week. Did you happen to see the Zach Plesak injury? I heard about it. So Zach Plesak, he made a start a week ago today. We're actually a week ago. I feel like it's Sunday. A week ago Sunday, right before we did the podcast, and didn't pitch great. And then he, quote, aggressively took his shirt off and broke his thumb in doing so. Now, I saw all the memes about the Hulk Hogan stuff, just just golden. Anybody who put on a Hulk Hogan video, golden. <laughs> but I don't know how you do that, man. I, I saw the the wrestling highlight of everything was the AEW uh, wrestling into into uh, Urban Meyer's Urban office. Meyer's I saw office. that too. Yep. Like, see, they managed to do that and not get uh, any sort of injuries <laughs> whatsoever. But Zach, please, I can uh, take off his uh, shirt and uh, and just take out his uh, thumb in the process. Crazy, I've never done that. And so now I have to think about it every time I take my shirt off. Weirdest things of the week. Since you mentioned that one, I know I'm I'm off on a tangent, but this is how we're starting the whole hey. podcast. This is the tangent podcast. Just uh, brace, get yourself uh, locked in, and we'll get you there eventually. <laughs> but the you go from the weirdest injury to the weirdest play. How in the world, Javier Baez? Seriously? Okay. okay. So for those of you who didn't see it, yeah, we should mention this. So that was Thursday, I think. Javier Baez grounds out to third with a, a runner on second. A typical routine yep. grounder yep and Wilson Contreras is on second and the throw pulls Will Craig who's playing catcher or first base for the Pittsburgh Pirates so this is not a positive they got Keith Ryan Hayes back and they won a couple games so good job but this is not <laughs> a positive uh pulls Will Craig off the base which you see happens happens a lot right and then Javier Baez runs Stops back dead in his tracks and then starts backpedaling yeah, and like Will Craig gets confused 
and chases him back to the catcher area. Now, meanwhile, Wilson Contreras has come around, rounded the bases, and Will Craig decides to flip it to the catcher. And he slides in safe, and Javier Baez, like, signals, like, safe, safe. And it's like, no, he's not. You can still be forced out at first, and none of this matters. Like, mm-hmm. all you have to do is get touched or a force play at first base. Fundamentals. I, and then the catcher throws it to, I don't Adam Frazier, I suppose, was probably Sales the one. Sales it. Yeah, trying to cover first. And ends, Javier Baez ends up getting to second. and On a routine grounder to third. Yeah, where all Will Craig could have caught that ball and literally laid down in the base paths because Javier Baez has to come to him. He cannot get to first base. And go back and touch the bag. And this or just like you said, I think he's maybe two feet off of it. And, it was a men- and they interviewed him, and he said, you know, I made a mental lapse, and he owned it for what it's worth. Will Craig owned it, but it is no other choice on that one. One of the strangest plays you're ever likely to see. It's where, again, understanding baseball rules is so necessary uh, with it. You don't have to tag the runner at all. You have a forced play. Just go to the bag, and it's done. It's over. You head head there. But how would you like to try to score that one? Uh, let me keep the <laughs> scorecard on that because you have I to do. Guess the, it was a fielder's choice so in an error, even so, though it didn't get anybody out because so you couldn't least, call it a least, single. Yeah, and you can't call it a field e five. Uh, I, don't, and, I have and with, no idea. I'd have to look back at that. And one. then how that there's there's more at play with that one. But anyways, that's the, yeah, the crazy. That one. was the play of the week for sure. And now back to your regularly yeah, scheduled the, injury program. Here we go. Kyle Gibson pitching well, 10-day IL, right groin strain. Once again, groins are tough. He's been pitching great, 232 ERA, 101 whip. That's a The Rangers are a bad team too, so there's a negative for them. Uh, Harrison Bader, talk about another one of my fantasy guys. Last Monday, he fractured his ribs, so I played a whole week without him in my lineup. Uh, this one we'll talk about in a different section because he comes up again. Nico Horner, hamstring injury. He was two for four on Monday after coming off the aisle a couple weeks ago, and then he tore, or I don't know if he tore, pulled his hamstring and is missed the last week. Ah, here's another guy who does his annual trip to the aisle. Lance McCullers, right shoulder soreness. And I believe I saw today, they think mid-June, but McCullers pitching well again like he always does while healthy, but his annual trip to the aisle. Schools have started to have graduations and ending the school year, so now it's time for his summer vacation, so have a good time. That's right. Luisa Rise, right shoulder strain for the Twins. Austin Hayes pulled a hamstring. Ah, here's a good one again. Remember when we said that Corey Kluber was going to be really good when he pitched, and he pitched a no-hitter, and then he made it a total of, I think, four innings in his next start before he had a, oh boy, I'm going to mess this word up. Shoulder impingement? The subcapularis. There you go. Which is in the shoulder muscle strain, and it said, shut down four weeks, more likely two months. Once you count the the build back up and finally getting into games, yeah, you're looking at a two-month injury. And again, a guy like that, there's a reason why, yeah, it's great to see the no-hitter. You, you cost two months of the season in the process. You Again, the Rays baby their pitchers for a reason. Now, right now, Rich Hill, and we'll talk about later, you you just ride it till his arm falls off. I mean, at this point, he's, he's at that one age. One-year contract, too, right? Yeah, yeah he, him for one year. Yeah. And even for him at that age, every year it can be the last year. As long as he's pitching peak, let him go. And you see, I mean, you're not counting on him to get to uh, uh, 200 innings, even 150 innings. So I don't know how this is going to go at some point, but that's different than the Corey Kluber situation in terms of what they're relying on. They needed him to be the number two uh, there. Yes, and, uh, and so you need to be more cautious with that arm. Great to see him do the no-hitter, but sorry to see the inevitable with that shoulder again coming to play. I'll give him a 
good news to mention quick. I know that yeah. I saw that Severino went out on a rehab assignment this week. So yeah, saw that give too, it a month. Yeah. So give it a month roughly there. But we'll give another negative for the Yankees. Remember when Luke Voigt had a knee sprain and missed a month? Well, he came back, wasn't playing particularly good, and grade two oblique strain. That's what cost Aaron Judge 50-plus games a couple of years ago. So no more Luke Voigt. That's or at least for all, all star break game. at best, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's not good for a team that's really struggling. Here's one that goes to show that even though I just mentioned Luis Severino is going back out for a rehab assignment, Tommy John's really hard to come back from. Remember when we were talking about Noah Syndergaard getting close? Yeah, yeah, that's not happening anymore. He had right elbow inflammation, which they said, oh, he's just going to miss a start. Well, they next day, six more weeks, we're going to shut him down. So that mid June debut that we were thinking of. September now? Yeah, he, he's a maybe a playoff arm and if all things go well. And so, as I said, it, coming back from Tommy John, we say, you know, it, it's not as hard as it used to be, but it's still not easy. Uh, Brandon Belt, been playing okay, left oblique strain, another oblique. Austin Nola in San Diego, the catcher, sprained knee, he hits the IL. Miguel Rojas doesn't get the credit how good he is at shortstop for the Marlins, but hurt a finger, he hits the IL. Here's another man. I just feel like I mentioned all my guys. Josh Dalmont closing games for the Royals, but uh, left knee sprain. It didn't sound too bad, but ten day IL at least. More of a more of a, a continual blow to your fantasy team than an overall blow to Kansas City. As much as you don't want to lose a guy like Josh Dalmont for a, a, any period of time, they have some good uh, bullpen arms in they that do. arm. They yeah, Kyle Zimmer's do. really good actually. Let's talk an older guy, Michael Brantley. Right hamstring tightness, he hits the 10-day IL. The Astros are still rolling again, but Brantley's a big part of that team. Uh, Jose Iglesias had a hamstring injury. You may remember that was my guy filling for Corey Seager. So once again, another court player off of Corey's team. Uh, here's a big one again. Trevor Story, right elbow inflammation. He hits the IL, and he's been playing. I was watching a little bit of the Rockies, which I recommend you don't do unless you have to because they're almost as bad as a Actually, they might be worse than the Pirates. And he hits the IL, and he's been playing okay, but him being hurt just hurts his trade value, which is what the Rockies really want him for at this point. Kepler hit the IL. Max Kepler hamstring again. Michael Kopech hits the IL today with a strained left hamstring. Kopech's been pitching great out of the White Sox bullpen. He can go two, three innings at a time and really bring it out of there. And the last one is Lorenzo Kane. He played today, and I see that as I'm sitting here that the Brewers are expected to put him back onto the aisle with, I believe, his second hamstring injury of the season. It, I was going to say, take a breather, uh, and uh, we'll get you so you can survive the rest of the podcast. Uh, you know, it's The hard part we see in this from Luke Voigt. We see it from now at Lorenzo Kane. When the injuries start, uh, especially early like this and the – the result of going from the 60 to 162 game season, uh, the next nagging injury that pops up, it just becomes a series of uh, unfortunate events uh, it's, and it's, it's hitting uh, older veteran guys. It's obliques, it's hamstrings, yep. it's groins. How many of that stuff that I just mentioned? And it's because, like you said, these guys just didn't stretch it out as well or what, like not playing 162 games and then being asked to jump back into this and play their regular schedule and we see pulls and strains and take 10 days and let and, it rest. And we are at the point of the season where some teams have had like the, the 28 games in 30 days or 31 games in 33 mm-hmm. days type of a stretch. When you're playing that much, this is where you get those, uh, those types of injuries pop up. And so it's not always a matter of how they condition themselves in the off season. It's you're not 
you're not ready for the rigors of this type of of play. Uh, it's, it's been two years now since you've fully been at that type of uh, a stretch. And so these things are coming up with more frequency than they have in the past because of that. And it's, and we all want to see the best teams, right? We want to see the best players. You want to see them out there. Now, injuries are going to happen. That happens every year, but there's a difference between me pulling a hamstring and me, you know, getting hit by pitch that they both suck. Right. But that happens and you move on these hamstring pulls. You just feel like it's conditioning more so than just bad luck. And this might have been the year to do the, uh, it's hard, M- MLB is a, uh, you need the, the consistency, you need the regular at-bats, that's what gets the timing down. But maybe a little bit more of NBA-style resting key players would have been wise for this year, and I, I don't see a lot of teams doing that. Now, it depends how much depth you have in your lineup, uh, but I, I'm that can be a, a challenge to uh, also why we're seeing so many injuries as well. A little more little more breaks would have been good. You look at some of the better teams, your team tends to rotate players. The Dodgers tend to – the Dodgers are, what, 13-2 in their last 15 games with all – they've had plenty of injuries already, and they're still good because it keeps everybody a little fresher, but it also keeps everybody uh, – what's the word? Like prepared to play? I, is that the right way to say it? You know what I'm – where, yeah, maybe you don't play every day, but when you do play, you're fresh, and you have a pattern to how you play. And when you get used to that uh, break, if you're playing uh, five of six or five of seven, you're more used to it. You can also take the break. A lot of teams that uh, Joe Madden used to do this, he'd give a key player a guy, uh, key player a day off, right before a uh, uh, an off day. So you get the back to back rest within it. Those are just the smart little things that that matter over the course of a 162 game season. Uh, now, if only he had more uh, things to work with, and Angels. Uh, uh, the support group in Major League Baseball that you could have from Jake DeGrom to uh, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, uh, that that list is growing for the, and you could put Max Scherzer on the list at this point, uh, guys that are doing very well at their job, otherworldly, but their team's not so much. I still think by the end of this year, Max Scherzer plays for a contender. I, I don't see how that doesn't happen. I, I still think we'll he's talk the about difference someday, maker. But. Uh, let's talk about, uh, as we get into news and notes, let's talk about another Milwaukee Brewers trade that took place this week. It's not as big as the one the last week with William Adamas, but you may remember Billy McKinney, when Christian Yelich got hurt, or was hurt earlier in the season, McKinney stepped up and played pretty well for them, and he'd kind of become a forgotten player, but 207 doesn't sound too impressive, but it had become, he had dropped off a lot because of the erratic playing time, and 260 on base percentage, 359 slash line, and the Brewers traded him to the Mets. The Mets have glaring holes due to their injuries on their team. That team has been decimated by injuries, so McKinney is going to play probably every day for them for a while at least, and the Brewers got back Pedro Quintana, Quintana, who is a 17-year-old left-handed pitcher. So, you know, you're talking five-plus years down the road if this guy turns into anything, but that's kind of what they did with – actually, they traded for Freddie Peralta a long time ago when he was in mm. high A from the Mariners. So – it can work. You may never hear Pedro Quintana Brewers fans, but he could turn out great, too. You put him in the, the crock pot and see what happens after a, mm-hmm. a, a number of years here. Uh, let's talk about uh, some milestones that took place this week. We have both uh, Josh Donaldson and Albert Pujols to mention. Yeah, so MLB had 20,000 players, I believe. I saw that, too. Somebody made their 20,000th yep. debut. I'm not even sure who it was, but Josh Donaldson then hit... Two million runs. So over the course of baseball, I'm sure it's Elias. I don't have it down who actually tracks this stuff. But on April 22nd, 1876, the first run was scored by Tim McGinley for the Boston Red Stockings. And on May 29th, Josh Donaldson, 
actually wasn't hurt. He's been playing pretty good lately, and he scored the two millionth run in baseball history. So at baseball, we talk about it. It's been around a long time, and that's because it's an awesome game, and we love it. There's different ways that you get your name into the uh, the MLB record books, and sometimes it's by random off chance. Uh, and this is the case where you mentioned the 20,000th the player uh, to put on the MLB uniform, and that is Seattle Mariners backup catcher Jose Godoy uh, took the field in San Diego on uh, Friday, May 24th. I entered some contest to try to win a, maybe it was a Jared Kelnick autograph card where you had to guess who the 20,000th player would be, and I guessed Wander Franco when he let me down. About, one, about the only way that he's going to let anyone <laughs> down uh, with the way he's tearing up the minor leagues and what's eventually coming to Tampa Bay. Let's do uh, another. Oh, Albert Pujols. That's, man, we are on. Yeah. We are sympathetical yeah. right now. So Albert Pujols passes Babe Ruth for the fourth all-time in extra base hits. You got to want to take some guesses at the top three? For extra base hits? Extra base hits. He's currently fourth. So I will Barry Bonds. That is number two. Good call. Uh, let's go with... We live in Wisconsin. So with that, well, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron yeah, is number yeah, one. Yeah. Hank Aaron is number one. And then here's the one that he actually has a chance to catch this year yet. This is kind of, that's not hard. He's all worlder, but Sam Usiel. Okay, Sam Usiel. Yeah. So Albert Pujols, you're, you're a first ballot Hall of Famer. We say it every time you do something on this podcast, but you're also going to have a chance to close out with one of the best teams in baseball here. It's it's always sad. You see it happen. It happened like Joe Montana's one name that comes to mind with it. You have the, the greats that play into their when they're no longer great, right? And uh, and you just see maybe if you're lucky, you see a flash or a glimpse of of what of who they are and what their their peak is and what makes them a Hall of Fame legend. Uh, and when everything took place with the Angels, it was just overall just the sad situation. You understood the Angels within it. If they weren't going to give him a lot of playing time, he wasn't playing, uh, wasn't performing at a level that earned the playing time either. Uh, and ultimately, for both sides moving on, so he can go somewhere else and try to get that playing that that a chance to get the playing time again. And there's some injuries that took place in L.A. You have a a legend like that who knows he's not playing the way he used to. But, man, it sure seemed like this lit a fire under him. Just the idea of being cut. Uh, He's got three home runs already. There's pride that's involved there. And you see uh, definitely the motivation at play. And that performance right now looks more vintage. Yeah, he's fitting in well on one of the best teams in baseball. And we'll see. Bellinger's back. Betts is sort of half hurt all the time, it seems like. So when they get everybody back, we'll see if he still plays every day. But for now, yeah, he's fitting in well in L.A. And... Having that Keep great swan song, right? Uh, unfortunately, uh, this is the tough one. No, uh, no swan song. No positive. No uh, uh, anything uh, great to report here. As there's another uh, domestic abuse, uh, violence, uh, uh, um, arrest that took place with Marcel Azuna over the weekend, and uh, I'll let you get into everything within it. But if if I were a commissioner. This is as slam dunk as it gets. There's no he said, she said here. With this one, there's no way I let you put on an MLB uniform after this. So Azuna would have come up. That's when I said I in my notes, he would have come up earlier. He broke or dislocated a couple fingers this week when sliding into third before this popped up. So he, he was going to miss four or, five month, or four or five weeks anyways with an injury. And then a couple days ago, a report came out that he, like you said, was arrested in Georgia, where he lives, obviously, he plays for the Braves. And you'd like to say, you know, wait until he's convicted, and that's the law in this country. But 
it also comes out that the police saw him doing this. Like there's a report that police saw him throwing his wife up against the wall and choking her by the neck. And I didn't see exactly what it is, but it sounded like you're talking three to 20 years in jail for this. And like you said, you want to, you still got to officially go through all the legal processes. It's the national rule that we have around here and that's fine. Do it. But hundred percent Marcel Azuna, I, you're highly unlikely to ever play baseball again. And you very well may spend some serious time in jail here. It's, it's one thing if uh, again, and this isn't to dispute anything at all for other cases when it happens, but when you have different witnesses or a witness to something, it's uh, it's taken as a, a very strong piece of evidence, but there's still the chance for, uh, instead of being black and white, for there to be gray. Uh, there's still always some things uh, within it, but when multiple people see something, it strengthens it, and that much more uh, as an officer of the court, when you walk, and literally multiple officers see it happen as it happens. Yeah, we have to let the process take place. We have due process and everything within it, and that's good. But this this case ain't changing. He's yeah. he's uh, he's arrested right now. He's not convicted yet. But I'd be if his utterly wife, shocked if that didn't happen. I don't even know how it works if his wife even doesn't want to press charges. There's enough of an interest with with the state uh, that they could still pursue criminal charges anyways. Uh, does the celebrity stuff help him knock it down from what the it's serious jail time for the charge? Yeah. Uh, felony assault uh, within it, it carries the sentence of three to twenty, and I. I don't see how he gets out of jail time, uh, number one. And number two, with that being as textbook as it is, how does anyone, uh, again, if Rob Manfred was smart, insert joke here, uh, <laughs> you would already come out. I mean, you suspend pending investigations. You just come out in front of so it looks like you're doing something. Don't just hide behind, well, we have to let the process play out. No, you suspend pending investigation. There's enough stuff that's right there. And then as soon as the guilty verdict comes in, you do the lifetime ban and be done with it. You say this has no place in the game. And that's how you handle it. Boom, done from an MLB standpoint. But again, that's what we said if Rob Manfred was smart. All I can say at the end here is you hope that the victim here in this case, his wife, yes. is doing fine. I yes. didn't see a whole lot of reports about that, but we'll we'll update you on this one. This one's ongoing. If we eventually hear what the courts decide, we'll keep you updated on Marcella Zuna's case. Well, let's dive into those that are on a heater as we uh, look back to the the baseball diamond. There are some that are absolutely red hot right now from players and teams, and you got a nice list uh, collected over there. I have my five of the week over here. Let's start with, you already mentioned him once, the old guy, Rich Hill. He finishes in the month of May, so he pitched today against the Yankees. 34 and two-thirds innings, three total earned runs. A .78 ERA with a 145 opponent batting average and a 27% strikeout rate. Now, there's some... Uh, he's 41 years old. He is currently the fourth pitcher over the last 30 seasons with multiple 10-plus games or 10 strikeout games at the age of 41. Those other names include Randy Johnson, who... Go back and listen to our goal podcast. I'm pretty sure we both had him second at left-handers. Roger Clemens, not sure where he landed, but he was on it. And I remember I didn't have Nolan Ryan on there, but you had him pretty high. And those are all Hall of Fame pitchers and some of the most legendary pitchers in this game. So, yeah, the BABIP of 188 is a little low, right? Like, it's obviously a little low. He's basically down to throwing. He's been aided by some luck, sure. Sure, which is going to happen if you're doing that. But he's basically down to throwing two pitches, the four-seamer and the curve, which is about 85% of the time. But 
Getting plenty of whiffs on both of them. and Three pitchers have generated more than 45 called strikes and whiffs in a game in 2021. The first two are your AL uh, Cy Young winner from last year and most likely this year, Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, and the third, Rich Hill. Yeah, he's he's been great. Like you said earlier, you're going to ride that arm till it falls off, right? You have mm-hmm. him for one year. We didn't really know. You never know what the Rays when they sign these guys. Michael Walker's pitching relief. You never knew, was Rich Hill going to pitch relief? Was he going to follow McHugh? Well, the way he's pitching, you roll him out there like he's Tyler Glass now and say, you give us five. I think he went five today. Five innings, yep. But I've seen him go as, he had like a he eight, had an eight inning? inning. Yeah, he had an uh, eight inning the in peak there. Of this. So, yeah, he's, he looks like. The Rich Hill of the Dodgers days that I think it was last year we said oh, we loved the Rich Hill signing and it was a weird year and now we went to the Tampa Bay and as they tend to do they revitalize pitcher careers and in light of the year of the pitcher highlighting the guys that throw a hundred miles an hour <laughs> with the, the sick uh, off speed and and the everything going on and the just overpowering stuff here is Rich Hill. With a fastball topping out at usually 91 miles an hour, that's when he's really oomphing it back there. Uh, and he's making guys look helpless at the plate. Uh, it's just fun to see the the soft-tossing lefty. I always have a, a, a soft spot in my uh, in my baseball heart for, for those guys. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough from a younger guy who does that type of thing. Jamie Moyer was uh, always fun to watch that way. The craft... Of the art of pitching, uh, and they, they have it down. I watched uh, Corbin yeah. Burns throw a 93-mile-an-hour changeup today. <laughs> so you can get it done a lot of different ways and be effective, right? You mentioned uh, uh, Corbin Burns uh, with that, so I'll take that as a segue. Go for it. Uh, and we're going to talk heater. Let's talk uh, best baseball trios. Uh, uh, let's uh, – uh, we – obviously, the Dodgers are a category unto themselves, right? They're their whole thing there. But for the rest of the mere mortals of, of Major League Baseball – uh, we mentioned uh, as part of our predictions that uh, Corbin Burns and uh, Brandon Woodruff for the uh, top duo uh, in MLB, uh, and that has been uh, the case here. Both of those guys have been everything you could want them to be. Uh, Jeff Passan uh, over the week mentioned just that it's difficult to overstate how good Brandon Woodruff has been this year. Uh, 71 innings, 33 hits, 16 walks, 83 strikeouts, only three home, three home runs, uh, given up a 1.27 ERA and 11 starts, 10 consecutive starts of at least six innings and two or fewer runs. Absolutely dominant. Corbin Burns' numbers are almost as good. And now Freddie Peralta uh, has been showing the similar type of dominance for Milwaukee. Uh, again, their offense leads to sometimes the the, the losses and uh, not being uh, able to reach the full ceiling of what is truly a, re- a historic start for Milwaukee as far as their pitching goes. But now they're winners of five or six in a row here now after today's game. They're back ratcheting it up. And when these three guys roll out starts like this, to me, again, if you're a Milwaukee Brewers fan and you're getting frustrated with the offense, all you have to hope for is just get in. When you have those three that you get to ride out into the, the postseason, uh, when you have shorter series, and those are the people you're putting out there for all for all games because you never need a fourth starter in anything anymore. Uh, so with those three, you have a heck of a chance to do something. The level at which they're pitching, yeah, I, this is the top three for the, the rest of the mere mortals of MLB, the top three in Major League Baseball. Yeah, Woodruff is currently leading baseball in ERA, and ERA plus, I don't know if I, remember, if I mentioned ERA plus, but 
100 is average. He's at a 319, which is absurdly high. He's got the best FIP. He has a 69 whip, which is absurdly low, and 4.2 hits per nine. Yeah, Woodruff's been amazing. Burns has been great. He's walked a few more lately, but still great. And like you said, it overshadows how good Freddie Peralta's been for them. Freddie Peralta has a 230 ADRA to go along with a 299 FIP. These guys are not getting lucky. That is the highest FIP of the three of them at 299. So the Brewers' top three, like you said, if they get in, right, you don't want to face that. And Hauser's been serviceable, which if the Brewers can just get average offense, I don't remember what team we were talking about. We are talking about a team, maybe off-air, where a team was getting, I think it was the Cardinals, just getting average offense and winning games because of it. So if the Brewers can start getting consistent five runs, right, five runs, four runs, yeah, they're going to win a lot of games. And like we mentioned in last week's podcast, uh, there's one advantage to having such an uh, not good offense is that almost any person you pick up at the trade deadline is going to be an upgrade. So it allows you to be uh, shopping very nicely. Almost anything will work, so you can just line up whatever is there. So again, I'm still very optimistic on the Milwaukee Brewers because, as we talk about the heater, these three guys that are driving it, uh, that's going to open the doors to many, many possibilities. Oh, let's do my second heater guy here. How about Alex Manoa? I mentioned him last week when I said, I don't think the Blue Jays are quite done in the AL East. Their pitching is, Springer's played three games or whatever for him, and the pitching has been kind of blah, but I still have faith in Nate Pearson, and Manoa showed why the hype is there. Manoa is, at this point, probably passed at Mackenzie Gore as the best pitching prospect in the minors. He got the call this past week to make his debut on Thursday. Because of the weird COVID year last year, that's why we've never heard the hype, because he has 35 innings of minor league baseball, but... 18 innings this season at AAA, he was awesome, and then he showed it on Thursday against the Yankees. Six innings, didn't give up an earned run, struck out seven Yankees. He throws four pitches, and I watched all of that start, and he did not look uncomfortable throwing any of them at any count. I'm not ready to write off Nate Pearson yet. It is five big league starts, and people are like, oh, but Nate Pearson's not good. I No, I will not write Nate Pearson off yet, and along with Manoa, Andrew Yu, and here we go, Robbie Ray, because he's still looking good. <laughs> Your boy. They uh, the, the Blue Jays still got something going on here, and Manoa looks like the best rookie pitcher right now in baseball. Well, if we're going to talk rookie pitchers, I'll throw him in just for a start here and overall with the heater team that I'm going to mention. Uh, Logan Gilbert uh, had the best start of his uh, career. Went uh, a full six innings today versus Oakland. Uh, five hits, two runs, one walk, and five strikeouts uh, en route to a, a W here. So, uh, this is one of the many, if you're seeing a team that has now decided to start the next wave, it's the Seattle Mariners. You've seen a Jared Kelenic coming up. Uh, we're not that far away from, uh, is it Julio Rodriguez, if I'm getting, getting that right? Uh, another big-time uh, uh, top 25 overall prospect oh, yeah. outfielder uh, that's going on there. One of their big pitchers now has been up for since mid of, mid-May. Uh, within this, they have now won six of seven this they're week. Still, they're five hundred too. Like that's and now above five hundred for the first time since May sixteenth. Uh, twenty eight and twenty seven is their record now. Uh, and I know I I said it too. Within it, uh, Seattle's like okay now they're start, they started to slide back. It's like well here's a nice hot streak. Now they're kind of coming back. Going to be an interesting team to watch because of all the young players. But here they come back and search again. Uh, y- y- you never know what's going on with Seattle yet. It's not likely that they keep this up for a full season, but they're a feisty bunch over there, and coming back and uh, having this nice week, they're going to be a a challenging team to face. It reminds me of some of those Giants teams from a few years ago where they didn't always look the best on paper, but they would always be hanging in contention, and 
in the end, they either make the playoffs or you don't. And sometimes that hurts, right? Where you're a little more in contention than you think, because I'm sure that Mariners would love to trade Kyle Seeger at some point this year if they fall out of contention. Or Mitch Hanniger, depending Or Mitch Hanniger, right? Like, but if they're in contention, you can't really do it because your fans are going to hate that. So we'll see where they go. It's time to talk about uh, the best player in baseball, I guess, or at least one of them at this point. Fernando Tatis keeps avoiding shoulder re-injury, and he looks like the best player in the game. So for the season, he has 36 runs, 15 home runs, 36 RBIs, 12 steals, and a 298 average, and 131 at-bats. So remember, he missed 10 days with that shoulder subluxation, and every time he swings, I still worry that it's going to pop out because he ain't he doesn't get cheated at the plate ever, but he's currently leading baseball in home runs, stolen bases, and slugging, and in the last week, he has four home runs, two steals, and he looks like he's not slowing down, but you just keep waiting, but while he plays, he's going to be good. Yes, he's out right now, and yes, his uh, numbers have already been at even, there's peak trout, which is every uh, every season with trout, but even more looking at another level. Are you ready to call Tatis either at trout level or above. You have two guys that play premium positions, so that's not the defensively is not an issue. You have uh, center field and you have shortstop. Uh, you have the uh, trout can steal a, a few bags, but Tatis is at a different level. This is your five-tool star. Uh, is he more than Mike Trout, the face of Major League Baseball? Oh, the face? Yeah. Because he's fun, right? People love the look of him. Like it's not that Mike Trout should be the face still. Mike Trout is amazing, right? We're not going to sit here and yeah, this, yeah, this is not a knock. These, that Mike these Trout two are on a whole different level. amazing. But I think like the young superstars of this game are Fernando Tatis and Ronald Acuna Jr. Those guys are the next like five tool stars that we have, and MLB should market every ounce out of Fernando Tatis because he's fun. He does the bat flip thing. He looks cool out there with his cool hair, but. That means you have to get rid of the uh, unwritten rules of yeah. baseball and finally be done with it for good in order to do that. We'll see. They've, we'll see they've, right. they've done a terrible job at Mike Trout over the years, right? We've talked about that before. And he's someone who, to be at least a little bit fair, he's not someone who wants the spotlight. No. Uh, that being said, it's easy to push the, you know, you're making $400 million bucks uh, from this game. You can help a little bit with us trying to, to grow the popularity. And if you would have had us, again, Someone smart at the top putting together a nice campaign with this. I don't think he would have said no to it. But again, we don't have that at the top in Major League Baseball. How about two pitchers to finish out the hot heaters? Kevin Gaussman, 5-0 in May. 37 innings pitched for him. Three earned runs allowed. 49 strikeouts to six walks in the month of May. He actually hasn't allowed an earned run in his last three starts for the season. He's 6-0, a 140 ERA, a .80 whip, and a 218 FIP says... He's not getting all that lucky. Like he's still rich and really good. He was great last year. We talked about him great in the short season, but this is a whole new level of Kevin Gaussman. Now he's given up home runs at an absurdly low rate, which probably normalizes a bit, but he pitches in San Francisco, which will help keep that number down because it's really humid there. I think it's time to think of Kevin Gaussman as a bona fide ace on a team that's looking like a bona fide contender in the best, uh, one of the best two divisions in baseball. He had a very nice year last year, uh, right? We had the uh, uh, the ERA of, of 3.62. Uh, his XFIP was 3.06. So, you know, again, all very, very good. Uh, he was worth 1.6 uh, wins above replacement, 1.6 war. Uh, and he's already at 2.4 this year. 
Yeah. Uh, so he's only 10 innings above what he pitched last year, but he is now uh, cementing himself as a legitimate ace. His numbers say it. As much as people are like, ah, Kevin Gelsman, ah, here's your middle rotation arm, uh, and being uh, cut or uh, gone within it or just on the scrap heap. Remember we thought that that was the weirdest one that got his option picked up? Remember the $18 million or whatever? We're like, oh, this one, I mean, it, it sort of fits, but I think felt a lot of people high. thought, yeah, we felt thought it high. fell high, but he's uh, living up to every ounce of that contract right he now. He is 100% earning that contract, and the uh, impressed to see a guy start to figure things out as he's – if you look back early on, he had a couple of middling years in 2017 and 2018, but he was routinely with XFIPs under four. Uh, he started at age 22. I guess people forget that he started so young with things too, but a 3.04 XFIP, a 3.93 XFIP, a 3.80, a 3.77. Then he gets the two years where he's a essentially a journeyman middle, middle rotation arm, and then he picks it back up again and is going to a whole different level. So props to him and his age uh, 30 season. Uh, the best is yet to come for Kevin Gelsman. I have one more pitcher. Yeah. Okay. Another guy who I think is living up to the contract. I got a question for you. Who do we think is leading baseball in innings pitched after Sunday? Who is leading in innings pitched? Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to uh, to do that I know. at this point. I'm throwing you on the spot uh, Lance here. Lynn is... That's a good uh, guess. Because I know he's an innings eater. How about Zach Wheeler? Steady, reliable Zach Wheeler. Yeah, 75 innings. Remember remember that contract where people are like, oh, well, the Phillies are overpaying for him. No. I thought that was a like just getting too harsh of a deal. I thought that was a very solid deal for them. He has a career low 252 ERA, backed up by a career low 246 FIP. I've talked about, I love Zach Wheeler before, and this version of Zach Wheeler is even better. Last year, he threw 71 innings and struck out 53. This year, he's at 75 innings, and he has 92 strikeouts mainly because he's sort of done the popular thing and said, I'm going to drop some of these pitches that aren't as effective and co- he's down to throwing two pitches. So he no longer throws the sinker nearly as much. It's basically a four-seamer and a slider about 70% of the time. And the last three starts, he has 10 strikeouts, 12 strikeouts, and 14 strikeouts. That includes starts against the surging Tampa Bay Rays and a very good Boston Red Sox team. So yeah, He had a 14-strikeout performance, yeah. seven innings versus the, versus the Tampa Bay Rays over the yeah. weekend. Yeah, he looks great. And... Man, the Phillies, like, you have some great pitching, and y'all aren't getting it done here. So you're making me look bad because I don't know what's going on here. There's something about these top-heavy teams, uh, and you put so you can put so much on them, but at, at what point, uh, and, oh, I, I won't go on the tangent. I'm going to hold off a rarity for me. Okay. Uh, but bring back up Zach Wheeler and top-heavy teams when we get into the hot-button issues because I have one that I'll, I'll bring up that, that connects together with it because there is a fundamental flaw in how teams are being built or have been built that we're now seeing doesn't work in today's game right now. It absolutely doesn't, uh, and we'll talk about that coming up. So I'll hold on for just a little bit more on that one. Uh, let's talk about the guys where we need the heat is on or needs to be on. We have guys that are ice cold right now, uh, and uh, why don't you start off with the first on your list there? I went all pitch or all hitters this week. We're at Memorial Day. We celebrated together today. Happy Memorial Day if celebrating anybody at home. And this is kind of the time. Like It's no longer a small sample size. We're, we're getting a little bit into the season now. You should be starting to pick it up. So let's start with Anthony Rendon. Rendon spent some time on the IL early in the year, but he's back. We're at 118 at-bats. He has 14 runs, three home runs, 14 RBIs, hitting 220 with a 306 on base percentage. This is a player when he was healthy, 
routinely put together 70 extra base hit seasons with a 300 average. He has seven extra base hits. His average is dropping too. He's four for his last 35. So I looked like what's happening and Statcast doesn't paint a very pretty picture. The line drive rate, which is usually in the low thirties, which is like really good line drives, the easily the best type of hit when you hit the ball. Cause that's like Freddie Freeman hits line drives like a, like a machine and Anthony Rendon when he's good, low thirties, which is pretty good right now. Career low 21%. The weirdest number is that he has like 12% of his hits resulting in pop-ups, which are easily the worst hit, right? That means your chance of getting a hit on a pop-up are slim to none. So just not making as good a contact. There's, that there's would something also off explain here. The, the low Babbitt. Yeah, yeah. He is very uh, below his career. He's usually between 310 and 320. He's at 250 right now. Uh, and some of it you can play into unlucky because, again, if you're popping it up, it means you're, you're just missing mm-hmm. with everything. So that can eventually be uh, one you say could be correctable. But it also explains where it's not just unlucky. It's, it's bad contact. Uh, it's one thing to hit a, hit a uh, 100 mile an hour uh, exit velocity on something right at a guy and say that's unlucky. Pop ups like this, that's bad contact. There's there's a difference between the two. Babip doesn't always explain uh, or can be easily explained away as being unlucky. There's a challenge when you look at some of these numbers, and that's what's concerning with Rendon. Here's another one I'm going to bring up. Uh, when you look at uh, third baseman, you get into that early 30 stage, and it is amazing how many fall off a cliff. You can go to a lot of guys, a lot of uh, consistent all-star players. They reach that 31, uh, 32 area, and they drop off a cliff with no warning. Evan Longoria did that for a little while. Now, he's coming back and having a nice veteran season, of veteran resurgence here, but he was no longer the same player that he was in the in his first three years in, in the bigs with the Rays. Uh, that dropped off fast. It happens at third faster than any other position I see, uh, and I'm... I don't think the we're there at Rendon yet, but I it is in the back of my mind. There's there's something just a little off on Anthony Anthony Rendon. So am I saying that he's completely washed? Like I still think Madison Bumgarner's washed, basically, and Patrick Corbin's pretty close to washed. I've mentioned those guys before. I don't think Anthony Rendon is completely washed up in this game, but I'm not sure we've seen we'll see the 2018, 2017, those last Nationals years MVP caliber Anthony Rendon anymore. Now if the the Angels got that caliber of him with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, like, wow, it would be amazing. But he just seems off. He's had a WRC plus of over 140 for the last four seasons running. So there has been no warning on anything to this point, which makes me think he'll he'll come back more closer to that level. Uh, But could there be just a rung under that that he's now at? That's what we need to find out this year. I'm confident he comes back, but is it at – the level that he was, or is it going to still be a level underneath, which is still a very productive player, but it's not at that level. And when you have a seven-year contract uh, with a lot of money attached to that, uh, this could be the next uh, Albert Pujols contract from the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, that's too bad. Let's go to a player I think we need to recalibrate some expectations on. At the age of 22, Glaber Torres had a 38-home run season, and he looked positioned to be a star. And Fernando Tatis. Yeah, sure, exactly. But I think there's 95% chance plus that that's probably the most home runs he'll ever hit. And it doesn't mean he can't be a good player. He can still be a very good player. But he's just got appointed this all-world shortstop right away, and 
he's not Fernando Tatis. He's not Trevor Story. He's probably not even Corey Seager, right? Like, he's not quite that player. So, so far this season, we're at 162 at-bats. 16 runs, two home runs, 19 RBIs, three steals, 265. He's just not hitting the ball that hard. He was always a mid-pack exit velocity guy anyways, but this year, bottom 2% of the league, and he always runs, so barrel rate, Barrels are basically when you hit the ball at the perfect launch angle hard. And he was always running about 70%. This year, it's 11%. So We talk about squaring up a baseball. Yeah. That's what that means. He's still only 24, right? He seems like he's been around forever. He's still only 24. There's plenty of time left for him to become a good player. But I think like a good Glaber Torres year is 80 runs, 20 homers, 80 RBIs, 270. Great player. Good player. But he's just not a 35 home run bat. And... Just recalibrate. It, it doesn't look like that's going to be this year. Do not get me wrong. I don't think he's going to hit 20 home runs in 275 this year, the way he's hitting the ball. But I think he can be good. I just think that we have, maybe not we, but people have placed undue expectations on Glaber Torres. He's a first, uh, a first team starter and uh, definitely has some all-star seasons uh, in his career yet. I think that's very a very solid ceil- ceiling for him, but he's not at an otherworldly level. And I think what that also does, when we put this in perspective, it makes the Cubs trade that much more palatable as far as when you're going for, and this is the final piece that you need to try to win a World Series. Uh, this was always looked back on and kind of debated, was it worth it? I, I think with what we know now, I still would have said at the time, it is. If you truly believe this is you the won. last piece, and, 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 and because you won, you made it good enough, right? It's been 100 years, <laughs> folks. Right. Pay whatever it takes uh, to uh, you uh, like- to get that done. Uh, but now it's a little bit more balanced from what that first season, that big season that was there. This is now putting it a little bit more in perspective that way. Again, the uh, are the Yankees going to be shopping for a new shortstop anytime soon? Absolutely not. Uh, but the uh, here's a very good starter, but I think, like you said, redefining expectations is needed. I got another guy who appears to have a clear outlier season called 2019. That season, he played 162 games. The most he has ever played other than that was 101 in 2015. So this is Jorge Soler. He is currently injured with a hamstring injury again. 2018, that year that I'm saying is the outlier season. Sorry, 2019. He led the league with 48 home runs. The rest of his career combined, I went back and did this math. He has 400 game played, and he has... 50 home runs. So the one, he is at 178 this year, though, with four home runs and 24 RBIs. That is terrible. Now, unlike Torres, he's still hitting the ball really hard, like top 5% exit velocities and barrel rates and all that stuff. But when you have, if you've watched the Royals, I've watched plenty of Royals games because I like the Royals. And the top of their lineup between Whit Merrifield and Carlos Santana and Andrew Benatendi doesn't awesome job of getting on base. Those guys They're have excellent, excellent on-base skills. So far. Jorge Soler, batting cleanup, has got to drive in more guys. And I've said, I like the Royals. I still think they can, I think they're right around 500. They're not yep. dead any, definitely nope. not dead, right? They're, they're, but they're still in everything. You got to get more out of Jorge Soler if, you, if they're going to compete. And his strikeouts have always been high. And that one season just looks like a complete outlier at this point. So recalibrate expectations on him too. <laughs> If we uh, jump back to the, the Yankees, I missed my segue. I'm sorry. Uh, that was me. Okay. Uh, you had it right there, and I, I tried, swing, and, swing and a miss. Uh, but the Yankees are the team that I'm going to mention here overall. We're men- mentioning players. Uh, this is the one team that I'm going to mention. Yeah, you could mention the Baltimore Orioles, who have now lost 10 in a row. Uh, but it's the Baltimore Orioles. Yes, they're, they're better than what that record shows. 
Uh, but the New York Yankees got swept by the Detroit Tigers over the weekend. Uh, and Lindsay Adler, uh, a reporter for, I believe it's MLB.com. Uh, I think that's right. Uh, yeah. For them, I think that's their beat reporter through MLB.com. Uh, Lindsay Adler reported on, on Twitter today. He said, it's a damning statement when a Detroit Tigers uh, announcer uh, can look at the, the Yankees uh, batting lineup and say this is a very pitchable lineup. It is. This is coming from the Detroit Tigers stating this. Uh, and that's not meant to be a knock on the Tigers. It's just the overall, this is how everyone is viewing this lineup. This is not the Bronx Bombers right now. Uh, and yes, there's some of it is, is uh, because guys are injured, but you signed injury-prone players. You get what comes with it. You get the home runs and the streaks when they're there, but you also have to own this aspect of it uh, when you get to that point. Uh but there's other major concerns. DJ LeMahieu is not being the batting champion DJ LeMahieu right now uh, with, with Voight hurt, which has been a, an injury issues with him uh, as well. Then you have uh, uh, Stanton being out with his annual exodus uh, for everything. Aaron Judge is always hit and miss with that too. But you have Gary Sanchez. You, have, you take a look at that lineup. The bottom of that lineup is below replacement level. So- I have the, the lineup in front of me here. So we've we talked OPS plus, right? That's an mm-hmm. easy one. 100 is average. 100 is average. Gary Sanchez has 100, so we're playing average, right? But at first base now with Luke Voigt's injury, you're playing Mike Ford. That's a 69 right now. Rudinette Odor playing second because without Luke Voigt, they need DJ LeMahieu. You could put, I guess, DJ LeMahieu there or whatever, however you're going to do it. But Rudinette Odor, 87. DJ LeMahieu's only got a 100 OPS plus. He's playing very average. Glaber Torres, we just mentioned him. His is 98, which we'll just say basically average, right? Gio Urshela, 104. I like Urshela, but you're not playing very good either. And then Clint Frazier, I, pff, this team has ruined him. I still say that. Yep, 72. 100%. Hicks is hurt, so we'll skip him. Aaron Judge is playing good. 170. You just, once again, when is he going to get hurt? His OPS plus is great. Stanton, well, he's back, I guess, now 136, but that's okay. But once again, when are you going to get hurt? The team still plays Brett Gardner way too much. He has a 52 OPS plus. Why do they play Brett Gardner? I don't know. And then that's, I mean, that's basically it. Luke Voigt was at 53 before he got hurt. So it is a Aaron Judge and dominant lineup right now with not very much other production. And the pitching, well, I mean, I'll just jump in on the hitting just a little bit sorry. more because the, you have, when you have Judge and Stanton, and let's even, if you get Luke Voigt figured out and, and if you get DJ LeMahieu, okay, yeah, that, there's a great, four guys on your lineup, you still need the other half. You don't have it. You absolutely don't have it. Torres uh, and Urshel aren't going to play better. And uh, and there's too many ifs there. Yeah. If this guy does this, if this guy does this, like, okay, sure, some of those, when you flip the coin, they're going to come up heads. But they're not all going to come up heads. Uh, this uh, lineup is not uh, threatening any pitcher right now. Uh, and when you when it gets this bad, then you, pitchers can pitch around your best, and they're not in the prime position to take advantage of opportunities because those opportunities are slim. It's easier to put Aaron Judge on first base than it is to uh, uh, to throw at him when you have uh, Mike Ford coming up after him. So, batting average is still like the primary stat that people reference, right? Even if it's not the best stat. Gary Sanchez two hundred two, Mike Ford one forty, Rugnet Odor one eighty nine, Clayber Torres two sixty five, Gio Rochella two sixty four, Clint Frazier. Bucky 82. Uh, Aaron Judge, 301. That a boy. Gary, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, 266. DJ LeMahieu, 267. Come on. Brett Gardner, 196. We have uh, Kyle Higashioka, 186. There's like six guys in this lineup the under the Mendoza line. line. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, you're not going to score. 
this team should score runs. It should. But like you said, there are suddenly a lot of question marks on this team and these are maybe looking a little old. And the, the <laughs> news flash for this one, again, this is the problem with uh, lazy national journalists. Uh, take a look at who they've beaten. Take a look at their record, who they've beaten and who they haven't. They have beaten up on the Baltimore Orioles. Aaron Judge, the majority of his stats, as great as those numbers are, you take out the Baltimore Orioles, and he's pedestrian. Uh, now, again, you, you, you can always play that game with everybody, right? Take out their best and yeah, take out their sure. worst. But this team is being propped up early on in the season by who they have played. You take a look at their record versus the rest of the AL East, it's not good. And the same thing from individual numbers as well. So uh, this is a team that, in my opinion, is a, uh, with the exception of Garrett Cole, uh, within it, this is a below 500 team. This is not a winning record team. You take a look at this lineup, what they're doing right now, you factor in all the natural injury stuff that's there because they're not all going to stay healthy. They're not all going to come together within it. If you actually put it all on paper with what we know their track record to be, this is a below 500 team. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm looking through it like it's hard to argue against that. It's Their pitching is Garrett Cole, and Herman's been pretty good, I guess, but the rest of their pitching's kind of question marks other than the bullpen's still really good, right? You got to have a lead to get to that bullpen with Loisaga and Chapman. So, yeah, you're you're probably right in that AL East, they got to deal with the Rays and the Red Sox have been really good and I said I still like Toronto. So, and when they have to play uh, teams beyond uh, Baltimore, you still have the uh the Houston Astros, you still have the White Sox and all these other teams that are there. It's going to be interesting to see uh what happens to the New York Yankees. What type of free uh, free fall do we see? Losers of four straight, uh, and they're four and six in their last ten. Uh, they're still twenty nine and twenty five, but I I see a drop happening here, uh, and that's where it gets to. So this would be the perfect way to to have that segue. A good time to to grab it here. How warm or what's it going to take for the uh, Boone's seat to heat up? Yeah. This is a restless a area, question. a restless franchise, and if they do what I'm predicting, if it actually happens, this team drops below 500, and they are uh, at the All-Star break under 500. Uh, and if, there, if there's a sizable gap, they're already five and a half games back. Yeah. Uh, if that drops to anywhere near a 10 games by the All-Star break. I'm trying to think of like who would be the replacement. Because he wouldn't just... I wouldn't think they would just make a move for the sake of making a move, right? But, I mean, it, it's the Yankees. So they could certainly I, I, do I that. I am worried right? about that. Like, they could do that. That's what the White Sox did. And I just don't know if there's a splash move. But, you know, if it's if they're below 500, like you just said, it's certainly possible. I'll say right now I'd still consider it fairly lukewarm. But if they keep dropping games and – with Luke Voigt hurt and Corey Kluber hurt, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better right I now. I mean, that's the easy excuse they can give is all the oh, injuries, sure. right? Yeah. But at that case, then it goes up to the front office for how you constructed your team because uh, you, you've you picked up injury-riddled players. At some point, yes, you have to did. own your roster construction. And so someone's seat should be uh, getting warm by the all-star break with this. And if you go with the injury excuse, sure, you take the hot seat off of uh, Boone, but it does then make its way up to the, the front office. Uh, and that's another one that we'll and monitor within it. AJ Hinch is with the Tigers now, right? AJ Hinch is back mm-hmm. in, right? Because yeah. like, he would be a good fit. But I was thinking yep. he, get, he got re-signed after that year, year off. I'm trying to think of if there's a good manager who they could sign. And 
I don't know. You never know with that team what they're going to pull off. I, I don't see him doing it. I think he took time off for a reason. The, the big name that's there, but I haven't seen anything with his health, Mike Sosha. Yeah. Was, but he's West Coast. It's been uh, time over there. That was a relaxed environment there. I don't think he'd want to do the New York thing if, if he chose to come back, which I still am very skeptical on. The, the two names I had were Mike Sosha and Ned Yost. Like Ned Yost had success with the Royals, mm-hmm. right? That's a bullpen guy. He had success won games with the Royals with a much smaller market. And so... I don't. He, his was a health thing too, right? I think he had was it heart attacks or whatever. But good managers, right? But if they could get him in there, you never know. It, it's certainly possible. This is the type of team that makes the move in the middle of the season if they start slipping games. But I'm not gonna. I would I say it's less than fifty percent. Yeah, I don't think he he loses his job uh, mid season. I, I do wonder about after the season uh, if if they choose to go into a, a different direction. We'll go into a different direction ourselves as we uh, come back after the break. We'll take a look at the uh, MLB.com has their May All Stars. We'll take a look at that list. We'll talk about Mike Schultz's uh, rant on uh, issues with uh, MLB's uh, self identified problem that they are no closer to fixing than they were at the beginning of the season. We'll talk about an article from Sports Illustrated as they talk about uh, uh, their approach to uh, teams uh, doing well and what they choose to uh, throw some shade on, uh, along with, uh, and we'll deal more with the top uh, uh, trio in MLB, Corey's team, and uh, one other rant on roster construction failures coming up. Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk! I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile! Freeze it, then cut it. You! Bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see... People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! Well, we will shake our way into the uh, May All-Stars from the MLB.com. Corey has that article here for us as we... Uh, uh, take a look at those who have definitely had a strong uh, month. We, who we got here? Catchers. Buster Posey, we mentioned him early in the year. He yep. wasn't quite as good in May as he was in April, but a 302 average of 413 on base percentage. That's He's been amazing at catcher. He looks revitalized. And we mentioned Grandal because you never quite know. He's still hitting below 200, but uh, leading the league and walks in the month of May, so a 486 on Carlos base percentage. Santana. Yes, he is. First base, Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt had a nice month of May. He hasn't been great, but first baseman, like, Rizzle's hurt-ish. Reese Hoskins is kind of off, and Freddie Freeman's still kind of slowly going about it. And AL Vlad Guerrero, uh, been amazing. They have moved from the launch pad that is Dunedin. They are back to playing in the slightly less launch pad that is Buffalo. At the, uh, uh, especially still early yet, the the weather hasn't completely warmed up yet there, so that's still going to be some time before those balls start flying out at, at more of a rate second base max muncie 10 home runs in the month of may with a 1184 ops that he's makes the awesome. fantasy team look good he's been awesome and marcus simeon talk about another blue jay getting out of dunedin going to buffalo simeon has looked great for the blue jays he had eight home runs last month he is batting leadoff on what is one of the best lineups in the game just wait till george springer's actually back yeah 
Uh, I already mentioned Tatis at NL at shortstop. I, all the accolades in the world. Xander Bogarts is probably the quietest, like superstar of this game. That doesn't another guy who does not get the credit for how good he is. Xander Bogarts is the AL shortstop. He's really putting together a career season for the Red Sox. He has a 9.92 OPS last month with six homers. And we talk about JD Martinez. We talk about you know Alex Verdugo even of the Red Sox, Rafael Devers. But Bogarts is a star too, and he probably just doesn't get the appreciation he deserves. I would agree. <laughs> uh, speaking of Rafael Devers, he's the third baseman for the Red Sox and for the American League in the month of May. The National League third baseman here, I had to check this one. I had not paid enough attention to how good Austin Riley has been. Remember, Austin Riley last year struck out a lot, hit a lot of home runs. This season, he's getting on base. He's drawing walks and the strikeout right way down. So the Braves offense has been kind of inconsistent, and obviously they lost Marcel Azuna for reasons that he deserved. But if Austin Riley is going to hit like Marcel Azuna, that certainly helps. Let's go to the outfield. The National League has two Reds who have, I believe, are both the top two in both slugging and batting average, last I checked, along qualified hitters in Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos, who've been incredible. And then Trent Christian had a great month for the Padres. We haven't talked about Trent Christian very much, but a lot, lot, of, lot of good production out of him. In the American League, it's Adolis Garcia, who has been another just out-of-nowhere rookie of the year, likely player here in the American League for the Rangers. I think he's second in baseball, as I checked, in home runs. And Trey Mancini, we mentioned, he's been incredible in his return from colon cancer. And then we just said Aaron Judge is the one productive player, perhaps, at this point, consistently in the Yankees lineup. So I'm going to take this one together with the Sports Illustrated article and make a make my hot button issue. Okay. Uh, and that's that number one. Now, you would think... As you look at that list, what's the what's one team, uh, especially you didn't hear from? Perhaps one that has won 16 of 17 games, uh, now owns the best record in Major League Baseball. Uh, I didn't hear, and it's not just being a homer here. I didn't hear any Tampa Bay Rays. And at first you would think, again, okay, here's a team, some of all parts, right? It's not necessarily one particular person. They all are just collectively doing things. It's how they do things in Tampa Bay, no stars approach. That would make sense, except... You have Mike Mike Zunino leading all catchers in home runs. You have Austin Meadows, who led all of Major League Baseball with 28 RBI in the month of May, including eight home runs. You have guys that are there where, again, it's easy for the overall national media to overlook the small market team. And I would take that. I wouldn't say that's a win. I would rather be ignored than the drivel or birdcage bottom fodder that you have from Sports Illustrated who takes this time to say, hey, this is a good team, but don't compliment them for it because they don't pay their players. So we should not actually be happy about what the Tampa Bay Rays do. What a load of crap. Uh, Were as they far not as, playing? Uh, they, just that they, the, teams in the general? low payroll. So it's, oh. it's commenting low payroll versus other teams that pay their pay their players within this. Oh, so you mean so the uh, fact it would be better to have uh, Mike Stanton and Aaron say, Judge? The fact that they're like not paying an absorbent amount of money to like Chris Davis, like the Orioles are doing while they're losing games, paying $25 million a year or whatever he's making to sit on the bench. <laughs> we could have paid $88 million to a DJ LeMayhew for a 260 batting average. We could have paid $200 million bucks for Anthony Rendon to be uh, below the Mendoza line or having the issues that are going on there. We could have even uh, kept Blake Snell, re-signed Charlie Morton, uh, kept the guys that are there, and where would their record be 
if they chose to do the conventional wisdom of what everyone else says would be the best way to build a team. I think they know more than you. Sorry. Uh, and the the from the lack of attention or the just the disdain, and again, that's just a an agent-fueled piece. Uh, you're keeping someone happy who is feeding you information, and you want to keep that information open so they help to do some of those things to trash a team that doesn't pay at the rate that you would like to see. At any stage of conversation here, what I, what I get frustrated with when it comes to like more of the bigger issues like the collective bargaining agreement and all those things, everyone signed the CBA. So I don't want to hear anyone whining about the CBA. These are the rules in place. If you don't like them, guess what? There's another one coming up. Fix it. And if they don't, I don't want to hear you whining about the rules again. You had a shot to make a change. Either get the change done or shut up. Yeah, yeah, you're nailing it, dude. Like, so, I don't so there's know my rant to say to you. There's my my rant for that. In the height of a a win streak, which was the second best in club history, for their, in, they're like their eleven games in a row. I think they got to with it. That's when this piece came out. So that was more the frustration of it. Of the like again, you can't even appreciate a team that's doing this. Do you imagine the accolades that would be there? The Yankees rattle off 10, 11, 12 wins. How many pieces would be would we be hearing about how good Aaron Boone is? Look at the players. This is a World Series team ready to contend with it. No, we're going to talk about payroll instead of on the players who you're overlooking in this. You can talk about the team all you want within it, but you have this group of players that are performing extremely well. Uh, And dating back to 2018, the only team that has a better win percentage in Major League Baseball is the Los Angeles Dodgers. That'd be the Dodgers. (laughs) So I, I did a comparison in the last 10 years. The Yankees payroll... And the Yankees' performance, or going back to 2008, compared to the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, there were 60 more wins for the New York Yankees, which averaged out to about five more wins a season. I think it was two more playoff appearances, but one less World Series appearance. And literally a billion dollars more spent on payroll. So is is 60 wins worth a billion dollars? So, again, it's not what you spend, it's how you spend it. And you can't argue with what the race have done in terms of winning percentage, in terms of farm building, in terms of everything else. And, by the way, when it comes to the the players, you're not keeping a low salary for them because take a look at how many players have left the race and have earned a lot of money who were turned around in Tampa Bay to get those nice contracts that are there or young players that have their – abilities maximized and their weaknesses uh, hidden to earn something more within it here. So there's no one complaining in Tampa Bay about it. Uh, And if you want to argue Blake Snell, just go look at his production and tell me, and then come back to the conversation. So there's my mic drop on uh, uh, both the May All-Stars. Props to those who did well within it. Uh, but a team was definitely overlooked, and then the Sports Illustrated nonsense. Well, there's a reason why you're almost irrelevant to the conversation in the first place. So take that for national media dig. Now we'll go on to someone else who has ranted better they, than they me. They did get a hold on. They, they did get a pitcher on there. Yeah, they got a pitcher. The Rays got a pitcher on the main. Well, oh, Rich Hill. Okay, I just I didn't know. You can't deny Rich say, Hill. Rich that's Hill true. did get on that's, there. That's the one uh, that uh, I. It takes a guy only giving up three runs in the entire month uh, to finally get some recognition. So props to him and everything he's done. Uh, But Mike Schilt is, uh, uh, let his thoughts be known uh, on the whole foreign substance on baseball issue. And of course, as we mentioned one last milestone, Joe West is the 
most appearances by an MLB umpire uh, took place in the last two weeks here. Uh, and actually this last week, and it was the game after, I think, when this happened. Uh, I don't remember. He, he loves the headlines. I don't know how much this played into it, or it's just he has the clout to, to start the process and trying to get people, if this was the MLB memo at the beginning of the year, uh, is this him trying to get things going within it? Uh, but anyways, I'll let you take over. So it was Wednesday, I believe. The day doesn't matter. But the Cardinals were playing the White Sox. It was a one to nothing game in the seventh inning, and the Cardinals bullpen's really good too. It's another really good bullpen, and Giovanni Gallegos, who's been great, went out to warm up. Even he hadn't actually thrown a pitch, and you mentioned Joey West is a famous umpire in this game. He's been around a long time, setting records, and he told him you need to switch hats because he had a foreign substance on the rim. Like you could see it. I've said before, you see it all the time. Watch a baseball game. Madison Bumgarner grabs his crotch after every pitch. And guess what? I ain't grabbing for something else down there. Like, there are people grabbing their hats and grabbing all over. So, Mike Schiltz, the Cardinals manager, took, a, like, instant exception to this. Which got, just, got like, kicked out of the game, ejected. Fine. And he, he got all of his money's worth and, and chewing out Joe West. And after the game, it, it came out that, you know, he... Mike Schilt went on his, I don't know, 10-minute rant. It was long that basically said... Baseball's dirty little secret. Yeah, this is not the time for it, right? Like, you're in a 1-0 game. You know it's happening. Everybody knows it's happening. And anybody who says that the only reason it doesn't get called out is because everybody's doing it. So, for... I don't know if Tony La Russa said, you know, watch this guy's hat. I think they said it was sunscreen and rosin, which there's studies done, and apparently it doesn't do a whole lot to it anyways. Whatever. I, I really don't care. I've said, I really don't care. If anybody's doing it, you're still playing on an even playing field. So the big deal is, obviously, Gallegos had to change his cap, and for the first time in the whole season, we've actually seen this enforced where a guy who had an illegal substance had to do something with it. Now, I teach school. I've taught third graders, fifth graders. Guess what? If I set a rule and I enforce it for one kid, I'll get shoot. Like, they will let me know that, and I don't blame them. I would not blame them for that. If I have set up a rule and I enforce it for one person, you call me out on it because I deserve that. So it's the same thing here. You cannot just – now, we're now five days later. I'm sure there's been – if I have not watched more than – I've probably watched eight games since that time, and I'm sure I've seen someone with a foreign substance. Guess what? We haven't seen it again. You cannot just pick out one Cardinals player and say, this is the one we're going to enforce it on. We want his cap. It either has to be all in – or you just got to say, we're not going to enforce it at all. And this comes from no leadership at the top. When you let the inmates run the asylum, you'll get the random cases of things. And again, I don't know if this was just uh, something where Joe West inserts himself into the conversation. He has been known to do that in the past. Uh, or if he's trying to get something started here, and as the one who has the most uh, cred, if you will, easier for him to jump out into something like this, I, I'm less likely to believe that uh, of the two uh, versus this seems to be like a, a picking and choosing moment, which is exactly why uh, the Cardinals manager went off, and rightfully so. Uh, but this comes when there's no consistency, which is what the complaint is here with this because he's not even complaining overall that it happened. He's complaining of, you, of, of the inconsistency and picking and choosing randomly with isolated cases versus actually doing this uh, in a more regulated manner. This is Major League Baseball that decided they're the ones that made this and they sent the highlighted memo to all the teams. This is something that they were going to be was going to be a point of emphasis this year. 
How many how many caps have been compensated? Exactly one from Giovanni Gallegos. Oh, uh, and Trevor Bauer. I was right. Had yeah, he had something. There. You're right. Yep. And then now uh, right here. So I think that's it. Two. In the first two months of the season. Yep. Two. Two. And you wonder why, and when you can blatantly see the, the stain on the cap, that's not sweat. All the time. Like, it is almost uncommon to not see it in a game if you're looking for it. If you're looking for it, you can see this stuff, and it's not hard. Adam Wainwright's had dirt on his hat for years, like, Gary Cole has a huge spot on his hat, right? And I really don't care. I don't know if I don't know if that many fans that truly care. Like, if it helps you grip the ball better, great. I we don't allow, want we allow hitters to add something to, yeah. for gripping. So it's it's a again, it's it's all comes from not having things in place. If this is going to be a point of emphasis, then go do it. Then this should have been the first week. You should have been you make an example of it. You set the tone. Didn't happen at all. For right. uh, yeah. and a, like just to sort of flinch this up, but Gallegos was great. Like, struck out the side that inning still. Did, did, with the new head, thing. did not did matter, matter thing. a thing. Cardinals went on to win that game. Good for them. But Mike Schilt got his money's worth, and this seems to be, it is still an ongoing story all the time. Every week we can talk about this, it seems like, because baseball refuses to actually, like, set a precedent have and a say, plan. we are going to do this. And every time, then, you got to call it out. Like, you cannot just have Joe West calling this out. You need all the other umpires to say, Anytime I see this, we're confiscating it, and it's just not happening. And like I said, it, if I taught school like that, I would hear about it. Uh, speaking of uh, winning, uh, let's talk about your fantasy uh, fantasy team that has, up until the very uh, last spot here, you've now dropped to, to second, uh, only in, in recent here, uh, still a uh, distant third that is that is there, so it's still a two-team race right now. And... Uh, it is impressive to think that you've been able to just keep going at this rate with all the injuries you have had and still have. Uh, from your original roster, how many guys are out? Uh, one, two, three, four, six. And how many? And you have total? seven bench spots, and six of those are <laughs> taken up by injured players. So, yeah, it's been... This last week was a war of attrition. I mentioned Stalmont hit the IL. Bader hit the IL. Robles hit the IL. Some of those guys are in my lineup, and you only get one lineup swap. Well, you get one in the middle of the week, but I, I didn't have anybody to move in. Like, I couldn't. So I went a whole week with a lot of these guys out, and I got 107 and a half points still, which really good. Uh, I'm Like I said, I'm in second, a couple points out of first, but I still got Goldschmidt and Lux and Muncy are just starting as we're recording this podcast, so you never know. But I made a lot of moves this week. Had to get some healthy bodies back in there. Taiwan Walker did come back from the IL, but uh, some of the free agents I did, we usually talk about this. So I wasn't willing to spend $400 on Alex Manoa. He went for 401 I like Alex Manoa. I think he's going to be really good. Alec, sorry, Alec Manoa, not Alex. But my pitching's leading my team anyways, and I'll save some of that money for, I mentioned to you in a text, I, Vidal Bruhan, right? I could use the steals. And I'm sure Wander Franco's own, but there's still hitters that I would rather have than pitchers at this point. So I will make a hundred dollar bid. If I would have got him, great. I'll find a spot for a pitcher like that. But I wasn't going to drop break the bank for him. Now, my backup bid was Justin Dunn. Uh, the Mariners. We talked about how the Mariners have been pitching, playing well lately. He's been pitching very well lately. His last couple starts, he's at 15 innings. He's given up four earned runs. He's got 21 strikeouts during that time and has seven walks. So, and here's the thing. Seattle's the, the American League West, the Angels are pretty bad right now. They're not playing particularly well. And the Rangers are really bad right now. So 
Oakland is not playing particularly well. So it's basically just the Astros out there. So I'm willing to keep Justin Dunn around for a while. Uh, I mentioned Iglesias got hurt. You just try to avoid if he's going to be playing like two uh, two starts against like the Astros in a week. That I, might be a week to set him. I had a Garrett Richards. So I dropped Garrett Richards. We'll jump to him. I dropped Garrett Richards. He's been pitching pretty well, but his two-start week was at Houston at the Yankees. And as much as like, we just talked about how the Yankees have been bad, I am not trusting Garrett Richards at Yankee Stadium, right? Like, Yankee and the Houston, Stadium is still Yankee Stadium. So I dropped to him. I dropped him for J.P. Fireisen. Stallmont hit the I.L. So guess what? Suddenly I needed saves again. And... I got, Eisen, got two last week and I spent $11 and thought, well, you never know where the Rays are going with their bullpen, but he's picking them up. And like you just said, he got me one today. So <laughs> just keep it up, man. I, if he keeps getting them, I'll hold him as long as that takes. Uh, my second big bid was, remember last week I dropped Devin Longoria because I couldn't use him. Well, I got him back for $23 because now Gavin Lux can play shortstop. So Longoria hit a home run today and left the game early with side tightness. So Please don't be hurt. I can't deal with this again. I dropped Jose Iglesias. Here was the hardest drop of the week. I'm trying to hold the the Victor Robleses and they hold Seager and Trout, right? That's never going to – there's no chance I'll drop those guys. But I still like Nick Senzel. We heard this week, though, that he had uh, knee surgery. He was out four to six weeks. I just – with all the injuries I had, I could not keep him on my lineup. So the Marlins, Brian Anderson got hurt a couple weeks ago. So John Birdie has been playing more and – Roster flexibility really helps. He's been playing second, third in the outfield, so I can play him in all of those spots. And when John Birdie plays, John Birdie steals bases. He had two steals last week. I'm hoping he can get me two steals for a while here. And then the last move I made was I picked up a $1. I mentioned Billy McKinney got traded to the Mets. I needed, I just need bodies, right? So Adam Eaton had missed four straight days with a hamstring thing. And while they weren't putting him on the IL, I couldn't have empty roster spots. You cannot get counting stats from an empty spot. So for $1, I added Adam Eaton in. And it's I'm still going to be, you mentioned we talked beforehand, It's my team is still based around the Brandon Woodruff, Hyunjin Ryu, Julio Urias, Joe Musgrove. Those guys have been great, right? Those Rich Hill, those guys have been awesome for me. And so I've got a ton of pitching points, and I'm just trying to survive the hitting for now. Uh, the tweet from an hour ago is that Evan Longoria will undergo an MRI tomorrow for a sore right side. Doesn't expect to start tomorrow, but he's hoping it's just a day-to-day thing and nothing serious. So he's pretty optimistic overall. They're going to just make sure uh, that there's nothing more going on there because also if you overdo something like that, that's when you can get an oblique strain and then be gone for weeks on end. So uh, sounds optimistic, but uh, not going to be getting uh, some starts for at least a day or two. I wanted to see what actually caused me to drop out of first place. So if I had six more runs right now, I would have three more points. So that's, that's how close we are. And like I said, you assume Harrison Bader plus Jose Iglesias plus, uh, who's the other one I had, uh, Victor Robles. If those guys combined could have gotten six runs last week, right? Just being healthy. You'd think six runs is possible. And who's the, the guy that's uh, in first I've been neck and neck with this. Has he been battling injuries like this too? Or are you uh, essentially Ooh, doing this a, with one hand tied behind your a, back and making a game of it? Good question. Let me load his lineup. So this is David Mendelson of the triple play fantasy lineup and his bench. He has Joey Votto and Michael Brantley. So he's got a couple and he has Kent Maeda. So he has got three of them. So, you know, More injuries recent. are injuries are we talk about it every week. There's 
20 guys a week dropping off this list. So to divide, to avoid all of them, impossible, right? But he doesn't have a Mike Trout on the on the <laughs> nope. IL. He doesn't have a Corey Seager on the IL. Nope. Uh, within it, so it is impressive that your top two players offensively are on the shelf, uh, and the the beat goes on. I, and now we're, I said, I starting. I think before the thing, I think we're about two weeks into the Corey Seager news. So we're about halfway back to where I think he'll be able to play. And every day that I stay within ten points of first place is a day closer to Corey Seager and Mike Trout. So hang in there. It's a long season, right? We are not playing 60 games this year. We're playing 162. So hang in there, see where I can get to. And you can point back to this for putting bad juju on this. The only way your team has a challenge, in my opinion, is that strength of pitching if the injury bug hits there. It's been all to the position player side for the most part. Uh, But when that strength is no longer a strength or something gets hit there with the I.L., that's when the house of cards can can crumble. Otherwise, you are cruising along strong where there's no performance. Uh, other than Rich Hill, there's no performance thing that's expected to dip. These guys are this good, uh, and you have a, an amazing pitching staff acquired, but that's where the injury bug can be a challenge. So I just loaded the – we talked about the overall rank. I'm 69th right now in the overall rank, and I am 1, 2, 3, 9th overall out of 435 in pitching points. So – one of the best pitching stats you ever likely see. And like I said, just stay healthy at this point. I That's why I was willing to drop Garrett Richards. I said, he's been pitching well, but I needed saves more than wins. And Garrett Richards, with the starters I have, he wasn't likely to break in there all that often. And if I'm not going to start him in a two-star week, you're you're expendable for me to get saves. So we'll see. Another week here. We, we just keep plugging along and seeing if we can get back to first. Any final notes before we wrap up here? I do not have any final notes. I just had the Javier Baez play at the end, and we already talked about him because, wow, was it weird. <laughs> Another week of baseball coming up here. Who's, who does your team play this week? Well, it's the four-game set against the, the New York Yankees. Uh, today was a 3-1 to one win. The Yankee offense didn't look any better. Uh, Rich Hill continued to do Rich Hill things as he wrapped up his amazing May. Uh, Austin Meadows with another home run and MLB leading RBI uh, for the month of May. And uh, <laughs> Who do they play next, you know? Uh, after the after the uh, the Yankees, I'm not 100% sure. Well, can I just mention the Brewers' May schedule quick? So yeah. Brewers fans, before we, before we end off here, if you have not looked at the Brewers' month of May schedule, you should be feeling, I don't want to say confident, but better. We get two against the Tigers, who, while they've been to sweat the Yankees, still a pretty bad team. Four against the Diamondbacks, a really bad team. Then you play the Reds, who are pretty good, but three against the Pirates. Then a little later in the month, four against the Rockies, followed by three against the Diamondbacks, and two more against the Rockies? Brewers fans, month of June. This should be your month. So we should make up some ground this month. With that pitching staff, with those teams, and none of the teams mentioned have any sort of strong offense. Those are all Uh, below 500 teams, substantially below 500 in the cases of the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. Rays play the uh, Rangers. That's uh, a bull That's so, another rough team to watch. So the uh, unless the the wheels come off for a little bit here, things look optimistic down in, in my neck of the woods as well. So when we get back next week, and the Brewers actually, you'll be going to be gone next week. Forgot about that. Yeah. So we'll have to talk a, a schedule with this. Uh, we'll have to see if we if we get one squeezed in before the before the hiatus. I think that's a little bit. Uh, uncertain right now if there will be uh, time for that or not. Yeah, uh, I'm betting that we're going to be off for about two weeks here because I'm on a two-week uh, break. Dan's got uh, summer break here. 
So I, I'm actually going to, uh, I can put a plug in this way and say I'm going to go cover some games live. So I'll get yeah. my first uh, uh, up-close look at the Milwaukee uh, Brewers here uh, this uh, upcoming Friday. A uh, chance to catch that game versus the Diamondbacks. And I think we're only about 18 rows up from home plate. So awesome. got some sweet seats to uh, enjoy a game in person for the lo- first time in a while. And then going and seeing the White Sox and Tigers the following uh, day. So if you see Tony Larusa. Tell him I won't I'm not say a fan. Hi. Tell him I'm not a fan. Yeah, I, I won't. I okay. definitely won't say hi for you. Uh, but uh, with that, uh, again, we'll uh, have something posted on our our Facebook page uh, there, noted here about the next one to come. But it'll probably be in mid June, so we'll take a beginning of a uh, summer uh, break here, uh, and we'll come back and and uh, do a montage of the last uh, yeah, we'll couple weeks stuff. and see what uh, what has happened in the the world of Major League Baseball. So with that, enjoy. The uh, remainder of your holiday weekend, and we will see you in a few weeks. Peace.